on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt will be flying Han Solo as young Nick recovers from the Black Death he picked up visiting Batu last week. Fear not, Matt will try his best to navigate the latest rumors and insights into the newly announced Mandalorian movie and what it may mean for the TV series moving forward. He'll also riff on the first official concept art from Ahsoka Season 2, some disturbing Ray movie news, and an update from Diego Luna on Endor Season 2. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of Top High Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie. That's right, we're back. Now we're recording stuff so you can listen to it on the podcast platforms if that is your preferred platform. Glad I remembered that. Things get crazy when young Nick cancels. It's really my fault. He told me yesterday because it was MLK. Steelers playoff Monday. I did not pay attention to our slack. Therefore, I missed young Nick's notice that he contracted the Black Plague while at Batu. So he's still not feeling well, hence, you get a solo show. Boo! Okay, Nick's contingent, calm down. He'll probably be back next week. I know you all hate when it's just me, but that's what you get this week, so deal with it. It was too late to send out any flares. I did try lighting the pyres of Gondor, but uh, no one responded. So I I reached out. I, I, I was hoping maybe Jared could help out, but he's a busy dude. And I didn't want to bother Connor again from Beyond the Dune Sea, who filled in last week. So you just get me. So deal with it, all right? Feel free to send the cash when needed. You can address it to myself. Nick does not get a cut of today's Cashola Fest on the SWTS. And hey, by the way, if you want to join and you're listening to this post-haste or post... What's the word I'm trying to say? post posthumously i'm stupid uh anyways if you're listening after today and you want to join into the live streams don't forget usually you can find those tuesdays 5 p east youtube.com slash star wars time show we do them live we do them sloppy so yep just me today i'll do my best to get through our planned segments I considered punting on our top scenes of the Mandoverse era, but I was like, nay, I will press on. We've got shit to do. So I will still be going through the top scenes from the Mandoverse era, which includes Mandalorian Season 1, 2, 3, Book of Boba 1, Ahsoka 1. What else we got? I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's all we've had so far because Skeleton Crew didn't make it out. So I'll get to that. Maybe next week when Nick returns, we'll come back and do a uh, our top five. So I'll still break down the top scenes from the Mandoverse era. The only scenes you need to know about, the ones that may get you sad, make you feel all nostalgic inside, depending on how old you are and how big of a Star Wars fan you may or may not be. Um, yeah, Jared, don't worry about it, dude. Like I said, I mean, it was very last minute. I know you got a life. You got your own things to do. So uh, rock and roll. Hey, thank you, Mando Pirate, digging that purple light. I um, I don't know if you can see it, but if you look over here in the new setup, see how we're starting to get some lights there? And that uh, was at the ubiquitous display. There's some lights. You might see the, the colors change a little bit. 
uh, last week was my last week off, so I had to finish my all my tech projects that I had planned for my four weeks in between fall semester and spring semester. Yes, I am a professor in the real world. Uh, so I had a lot of work to get done in those four weeks. Upgraded the Mac. I'm now rocking uh, uh, Mac Studio M2 Max. Uh, I set up a, a NAS the past two weeks, so I've got network attached storage, all sorts of terabytes. I've got... Matt WS right in the house. That's right. We've got our own cloud now. So all that was fun. But the last thing I wanted to do is my buddy over at Sirius sent some old gear they weren't using, some key lights, um, but more importantly, the Elgato strip lights. So that's what you're seeing there, Mando Pirate, the strip lights around the desk. I have them rotating right now in a profile that I have dubbed lightsaber that's right so it scrolls through various lightsaber colors right now we're, we're headed into the cis preferred red moving into the balin orange it, it's pretty cool so i got those lights going here got another pair behind my tv but i'm about ready to rip those down because they're pissing me off i don't know what it is maybe the tape was too old maybe i didn't clean the surface enough but the one side keeps curling up and wanting to kind of wrap itself up like a hose you know what i mean it's like they, they got to wrap these led lights into a coil so when you take them out they want to go back into that coil for some reason this motherfucker even though there's it's got sticky tape it does not want to stick and it keeps coiling out driving me nuts so like i said i might light my uh, tv light strip on fire but so far the uh the broadcast station swtshq i'm digging the lights myself uh wish they came all the way to grogu so you get more of the effect but you can see you can see some of the green on uh, Mando Luke's um, dress right down there, can't you, right? Grogu, you dig these lights, bro? I know, you're going to be a movie star one of these days now that you and Din Daddy got green lit for your own uh, feature film. But yeah, thanks. So um, I got all sorts of lights to mess around with now. You know what I mean? We got, I can tap into my Hue system from the stream deck. You want a little, you want a little pink? You want a little purple? That supposedly is purple. I know it looks blue. It says purple to me. Who knows? There's a little green action. Do a little yellow. You guys are digging to see. I kept myself busy. I kept myself busy. You want to go back to the Sith red? Or you like the aqua? How about that orange? That's just usually what we're rolling here. I think I'm going to go back to what, what is known as pink, even though Mando Pirate has identified it as purple, and I agree. Who else we got in the live stream? I always like talking to my buddies in the live stream when I'm by myself. You all kind of help help make me feel like I'm not a loser, you know, like I'm not completely alone in life. Like my co-host don't hate me. It's nice. So who we got in here? We got my boy Bat. We got Sir Dork. What's up, Bat? Yeah, uh, no worries there, Jared. Like I said, it was last minute. Um We'll move on. Hey, look at this. SW Props is in here. The professional Star Wars photographer. He's out there taking pictures of um, the armorer while the rest of us are taking pictures of the armorer action figure. So kudos to SW Props and the work he's been putting in for his Star Wars life. Dude is killing it, knocking his goals down left and right. Pretty soon he's going to be in Star Wars and hopefully he throws his dude aka swts matt a bone you know what i mean let's go hook me up i want to go work a con i want to go i want to go hang out with sw props and his mustache that is looking so snazzy these days as he ingratiates himself deeper in to the lucasfilm team all right here we go 
Yeah, I'm, I'm digging it too. I know Sir Dork, you know, he's got his YouTube channel. I think he streams a lot more than I do using a lot of Elgato action. I'm now on the Elgato camera. I got the Elgato lights. I got one of the key lights, but I can't really figure out a reason to use it. My ring light here kind of comes in good. I'm, I'm digging the lighting these days. I know it's not going to be, you know, 20 year old influencer like or that type of shit. But for an old guy, I'll take it. You know what I mean? I mean, look at all that gray. My mustache these days, it looks like I've been, you know, sucking on some guy's crotch or drinking too much milk and getting it all over the place. You know what I mean? All right. So, um, hey, like I said, Nick's not here, but there's plenty to talk about. Uh, hopefully you tuned in last week. I had Connor Tierney on from at Beyond the Dune Sea. They do a show over on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, got some good feedback from from him and his show. Uh, I really do appreciate the dude. Uh, even though we, you know, we we disagree a bit on the prequels, in particular Revenge of the Sith, but I think our conversation hopefully showed everyone that hey, you you can be a diehard Star Wars fan and not fully agree with other diehard Star Wars fans and not want to kill each other or take the discourse into the toilet or just start saying woke or stupid shit like that. So I fully enjoy talking with Connor. I've been I actually processed that episode before some of our old ones to start uh, posting out on the social. So make sure to look for those verticals of Connor and I's discussion. Uh, I'll be tagging them on at Beyond the Dune C, press pause f- photography, all that type of shit. You know what I mean? Get some. Just remember, if you see those things, click on them. If you feel like it, leave a comment, share. Uh, the traction on IG just seems to be going down into the turlet, as they say. So help a fellow Star Wars brother out, if you will. And while we're talking about all the, the shit we have to do, the, 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 the dog and pony, why don't you go ahead and like this video if you're, you're listening, share it, let someone know it's on, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. What up? We got my man Johnny's in here. League Extraordinary Sixers is in here. Let's go. All right. So if you're on the live stream, like I said... We do this on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. I've got a, an interesting piece of concept art displaying currently. And uh, if you're in the know, you probably saw this last week. And Connor and I actually talked about last week when we revealed that The Mandalorian Grogu was a movie. But tucked into that announcement was the reveal that Lucasfilm and Disney have indeed greenlit Ahsoka for a second season. Yay! So, uh, a few days later, we got the first piece of concept art, a handmade sketch from Dave Filoni himself. You can see it on the screen right now. It's pretty epic. I, I wish I could just sketch like this. I mean, I know this is just a sketch, and, and he could probably flesh it out and make it, mu- make it look much more detailed. J-O-D, forgot you, buddy. Sorry about that. Give you a shout-out. So everyone's got to get their shout-out that shows up. Mando Pyra, that's another one. All right, I think I got everybody. If not... Let me know, and I'll make sure to let them know. We'll get a double thumbs up for that, how we, how we like that. Check that out. Double thumbs up equals fireworks. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to watch the live stream. I've got all sorts of crazy effects these days. <laughs> now that I'm upgraded to modern Mac OS, um, anyone out there listening right now, do any of you use your iPhone with your Mac these days to kind of get that continuity camera action going? Uh, I know I'm already on a tangent, but I, I have to say, if you're on, if you have a capable Mac and you have the, I don't know if it's what, Sonoma, Sonoma right now is the most current OS. 
if you have uh, an app open that can either use a microphone or video and you have, I think it's like a, 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 an iPhone 14 or above next to you, you can use your iOS device as a camera or a mic. So the first thing, the camera quality, I think I was talking about this two weeks ago with Nick, the camera quality is stupid. I mean, like like ridiculous 4K clarity. You, you kind of get that, that portrait look going where it, it washes out the background. It, it's super cool. But you can also do continuity camera where I could set this bitch just static here. I could get up moving around and the damn thing is going to follow me as if I have my own cameraman kind of sitting there scanning the room for my face. So the camera stays static. It's got to be something in the software, the three different cameras, but it can follow me. So I could I could physically stand up from my desk <laughs> and start preaching the Star Wars gospel like I do, and the camera should should stay on me. Uh, if anything, I'm going to try it out. Hopefully, teaching kind of get back to lecturing, get up there spitting the good word of computer science. Uh, but yeah, if if you've got some modern Apple stuff in there, give it a go. You are going to be blown away by the camera quality. I mean, this Elgato is fine, just 1080p, 60 fps, uh, but the if you use like an iPhone 14, 15 camera, it is ridiculous. Uh, I'm not going to do it live because I'll probably crash the show. You're just going to have to believe me. And maybe one day if I get on here and I look sexier than I usually do, you know I'm rocking that uh, iPhone 14 camera as my webcam. So there you go. Not only – why are these – oh, it keeps catching my thumbs up. So not only do you get – the best Star Wars delivered to you on a weekly basis from the SWTS, but sometimes you may even get some tech insights, some tech tips that you got to try. Anyways, back to what I was talking about here to kick off the show. Like I said, we're dealing with Dave Filoni's first bit of concept art for Ahsoka Season 2, and if you're in the know, you should immediately look at this image and go, oh, okay, all right, Dave. All right, I see where you're going. I see where we're going in season two, and, and it, it makes me happy. So before I get into it, I'll just set it up for those of you on the podcast version here. What we see is a sketch of the God of Mortis hand, you know, the pointing hand that Balin was standing on at the end of season one. Uh, up in the sky, it just says the story continues, but now on the sketch of that large finger pointing off into the distance... We can see Ahsoka and Sabine. So I think what Dave is, is telegraphing to us, and, and these are some of the things Nick and I were kicking around. Go check out. This episode would have been heck, a couple months old at this point, but Nick and I were, essentially did two episodes saying, hey, if they're going to make an Ahsoka season two, this is where we think things are going. And one of those threads, one of those speculations, hell, take it to the bank, if you will, because that's how we roll here on the SWTS. We kind of discuss, well, what's going to happen with the, with the Balin thread? Where are we going with that? You know, Ray's dead. It sucks. But what are we going to do? Uh, will Ahsoka and Sabine eventually kind of pick up on what he's doing? Because as we've learned post-haste, I know that's not the right thing to say, but I'm stupid. As we learned after the fact, and I think Dave himself even said it, is like... Balin is 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 going there because he knows of the gods of Mortis and and he kind of wants to tap into that that power for himself. So I think what this concept art is showing is that somehow, who knows who is it through Shin? Is it through other people on Peridia? 
uh, d- does Balin get there and he does something where these force users and Ahsoka and Sabine are like, oh shit, we, we need to go see what he's getting into. But it does appear at some point in time in season two, Ahsoka and Sabine will be on Balin's trail, at least to the the God of Mortis finger pointing off into the distance. So um, it doesn't seem like they're going to be kind of resigned to their fate, even though Ahsoka's like, hey, this is where we need to be. Well, yeah, it is where you need to be because you need to figure out what this Balin dude is getting into and why this planet has massive mountain-sized statues dedicated to the gods of Mortis. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting stuff there. And I- I'm glad to see that Dave is not going to shy away from the gods of Mortis thread. Um, you know, we all kind of wondered, like, like what's going to happen? Ray Stevenson passed away. Are we going to recast? Do we do we punt on Balin's narrative? And I think we were all like, you can't do that. You can't do it. Balin's too important. This gods of Mortis stuff is too important to just kind of kick under the rug after Ray passed. So I'm not saying this concept art proves that they're going to recast Ray or Balin. But it does at least confirm that Dave is not going to shy away from continuing to really get into the deep, deep, what we used to consider fanboy-only lore, such as the the gods of Mortis. Um, and, you know, you just got to appreciate Dave Filoni's concept art. And if you look, he signed this in 23, so they, they more than likely greenlit Ahsoka before the year was up, but couldn't make the announcement until last week hey there there's our buddy travis mitchell coming in here he's got a comment on this let's see what he's got so travis is saying i got some screens blocked here i could see balin maybe getting possessed and taken over by the sun sam Whitworth taking the role balin having to fight him internally yeah i mean i, I think dave kind of came out and said hey uh this is kind of what Balin was getting into, and it confirmed, like, yeah, he was looking for the Gods of Mortis stuff, potentially tapping that power. So I, I could get into what Travis is saying, because I, I think we, we've all kind of come to the conclusion, like, hey, Balin may think he knows what he's getting into, and he may think he's capable of dealing with it, but some of the things we talked about, like, hey, it, it may not even be Mortis. It, it, it could be... Uh, it may not be the monastery. It, it could be a a ruse. It could be something to potentially let out a dark spirit. And that spirit, we've all been speculating who it could be. It could be Abelos. So uh, I, I could be down with what Travis is saying, where Balin's like, hey, yeah, I got this shit under control. He gets there, realize like, oh, no, I'm screwed. And yeah, he gets taken over. And then we got to uh, rely on the, on the good ladies of the force there on Peridia to figure that stuff out. And I still have to believe whatever Balin is getting into and whatever Ahsoka and Sabine may have to clean up, I I really have a strong feeling that that will bleed over into our known galaxy. Uh, I just put up a clip from a few shows back where we were talking about a, a quote from Filoni where he essentially said, like, listen, in this Mandoverse era, we, we can't just have era. We can't just have... Empire versus Republic or, you know, Empire versus Rebels again. It's got to be something different. It's got to look different. So we speculated, well, does that mean we're going to get some dark force in from another galaxy? Could it be whatever Balin unleashes on Peridia, be it Abeloth or something else? 
Could it be some of these other uh, species we know from legends, like the Yuzan Vong coming in and, and messing stuff up? Um, so it, it, it's exciting. I mean, at least we know for sure now that we are getting a second season of Ahsoka. Uh, the, the problem with that, though, is what's going to happen to the rest of the planned um, kind of Mandoverse series? You know what I mean? Uh, I'll, I'll be talking about that here in a second, because last week... We did get some official news. The Mandalorian Grogu is going to be a movie, but none of us know, is that movie replacing season four? Is this something new? Is it going to be part of a new movie universe for Mandalorian? Is it going to tie in the Dave's movie? So on and so forth. So we just don't know. But like I said, all sorts of news came out from last week from leakers that I trust. Now, a lot of this stuff I would still say is rumor at best. But if we kick on over to our next topic here with the uh, the Mandalorian stuff, uh, it's just like stuff is so muddy right now. Everyone just needs to kind of take a deep breath, sit tight, wait for the good leakers to kind of make some confirmations or just, you know, wait for the official news here. Uh, because things are, are are getting wonky, at least in terms of the Mandalorian Grogu. And the fate of the Mandalorian season four, you know, we, Connor and I were, were spinning our tires on that last week. What, what does this Mandalorian Grogu mean now for the TV series? Is that it? Is the movie going to replace eight episodes of season four? Is it going to become part of season four? Is season four going to turn into more than one movie? So, uh, we don't, we didn't know Jack last week and I'd argue we still don't really know Jack this week. But thanks to people or leakers out there like making Star Wars and his buddy Bes- Bespin Bulletin and even the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline, we we have a bit more a, a, a bit more information to kind of discuss. And, you know, I, I don't have anyone here to kind of discuss it with. So who knows where it'll go, but I can at least report it to all you fandos live now in the chat. All right, so I, I kind of put this article out today. It's just a, a summary of a bunch of the stuff that's been coming down the pipe, be it on Reddit leaks, or you might have seen it in your Star Wars algorithm feeds, whatever you got there. Um, but really, th- this the, the Mandalorian Grogu movie mess is kind of what I'm calling it here. And, you know, is it season four? Is it going to be a new trilogy? Is it a hybrid that they're going to try new, where it's, it's part TV, part movie? Who... The hell knows. Um, but there, there's so much conflicting information out there right now. I think a lot of it is coming from the, the Star Wars wing of fans that are just fucking assholes and only commiserate and talk shit about Star Wars for clicks. Um, but that, that's not what I'm going to talk about now. So here we go. We, I, there's like three different things that have come out since last week about this Mando and Grogu movie and what it could mean to the fate of Mandalorian season four. So let's try to parse through some of this stuff, my friends, live on the Star Wars time show. All right. So a lot of this is coming from our buddies over at making Star Wars. I think their site's dead. So they just do YouTube now or uh, Reddit, and then Bespin Bulletin reports on some of that. So I I caught a lot of this from Bespin Bulletin. All right, so Dork's out there. He's saying he is really excited for the movie. Let's see what he has to say about some of these rumors that are coming out about this movie and whatnot. Hey there, Grand Inquisitor. He sees a little head popping through there. I love it. 
I'm going to have to start keeping uh, hot toys out here to, to give you all something to look at because I know you don't want to look at me just picking at my beard nonstop. I've realized that's pretty much all I do the entire show, which is why I probably have bald spots underneath my chin. So go me. Anyways, here we go. So I want to preface this with none of these are stone cold locks at this point in time. Everything that I'm about to talk about should be considered a rumor at best. I'm just going to kind of give you what was reported, what was quoted, give you my spin. We'll go from there. All right. We good with that? Good. Excellent. Appreciate you. Look, now when I want the thumbs to come up, it, it won't do it. You got to love technology. How about this thumb? Is this thumb better? Is this better for you? You want the two thumbs now? There we go. You'll do two thumbs, not one. Yes, I am talking to my operating system. Things get weird in your 40s, especially when you work from home in your basement all day long. Okay, so option one for the Mandalorian Grogu and its effect on the Mandalorian Season 4. We get a new Mandoverse trilogy of films. Now, this is kind of something Connor was setting up last week. All right, this is before any of these rumors even came out. So kudos to Connor. Tune in the last week's episode because he did kind of bring up like, hey, what if... What if the Mandiverse era just starts becoming movies? And it's like, hey, what if? You never know. Well, guess what? That is now possibly a thing. Like I said, this is going to be one of the is one of these rumors floating around right now about the fate of the Mandoverse. So this one comes from MSW via Bespin Bulletin. And apparently MSW has heard through their sources that the Mandoverse movie. Mandalorian and Grogu, and then obviously Dave's already announced Mandalorian crossover, could eventually become a trilogy of Mandalorian films. So here, here's the exact quote. My source, my original source, who first told me this season, being season four, being a movie, has told me that this is going to be a trilogy, okay? So that's a source telling Jason over at Making Star Wars, like, listen, dude, remember how I told you that season four may become a movie? Well, now that that's a thing, it's out there, well, we may, or Lucasfilm may, turn this whole thing into a trilogy now. Now, what I'm going to read you next, this is just Jason's own speculations. This is not coming from a source here. So he says, I'm going to add a caveat, which is just my sense on it, is that it's a trilogy if the first one connects, the first one being Mandalorian Grogu. So if that is a big film, they'll make two more. If the first one doesn't and makes Indiana Jones money, then they'll just do the two already announced and wash their hands of it. So what making Star Wars is guessing based on the information he's heard is like, all right, if the Mandalorian Grogu kills it at the box office, there's a good chance we're now going to have a trilogy of Mandoverse movies. So it'd be Mando and Grogu, Dave Filoni's crossover, and then a unannounced, unnamed project. If Mando and Grogu does not do well at the box office and just kind of, you know, has a, a middling effort, then we're just going to get Mando and Grogu and then the already announced Dave Filoni crossover movie. So... I don't know. I mean, I guess this is better than just a movie replacing six episodes because now you you pretty much you, you have a trilogy and Star Wars fans. We like our trilogies, I guess, depending on when you were born and when you watched them. But we are kind of used to Star Wars stories being told in threes trilogies. 
So I, I, I dig that fact. And if you did add another movie, you, you technically could argue that you're making up for at least another two or three episodes of a scrapped fourth season of The Mandalorian. So I'm not completely out on a potential Mando trilogy, but I'm always I'm greedy. I'm gluttonous when it comes to Star Wars. I'm always going to stick to I would take the Mando and Grogu movie and Mando season four. I, I like the slow boil of Star Wars TV. I like that you can go deeper into the lore, spend more time on some shit that some people might think is stupid, but I like that stuff. I love the little lore moments, kind of the side episodes. Uh, and I also like the formula that Mandalorians had over the first three seasons where, you, yeah, you have this overarching plot point you need to complete. But then you you kind of have the the story of the day adventure that that might get wrapped up in an episode or two episodes something like that. So I will definitely miss out on that if we end up with this this trilogy here. Um, the other option, all right, coming out from making Star Wars here, is that the Mandalorian Grogu movie would act as a finale to season four of the Mandalorian. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, like if, if I was in the executive meeting room with Lucasfilm, this is, and they're like, listen, Matt, we've got X amount of dollars. You can only have these three choices to get more Mandalorian stories, uh, being the trilogy, the Mando and Grogu movie, plus some episodes of the TV or this, or the last thing, which is just, um, no season four, I would take this option here. So Mandalorian Grogu would serve as a finale to the first, to the six episodes of the Mandalorian season four. So again, this is coming from ma making Star Wars via Bespin Bulletin. And like I said, you would get six episodes airing on Disney Plus and then the finale episodes, which are we've we've be, we've kind of gotten used to in Mandalorian episode seven and eight, kind of lie feed into each other, and have a big payoff in the end. So those finale episodes seven and eight would then become the movie. All right. So here's what what Jason had to say over at Making Star Wars. One of the concepts has come out of this. Count this as a rumor for now. Is that the plan was to do six episodes of Mando season four. And to take the finale, what would have been the finale, the big two-parter, from the end of that, and that's being developed into the film, The Mandalorian and Grogu. Um, so, I, like I said, if, if the decisions are, and, and I'm talking about Mandalorian season four and beyond, if it is, hey, let, let's either do a movie trilogy Let's do some Mando TV and a Mando movie or no Mando TV at all and nothing to account for season four. I'm going to go with this option right here. The Mandalorian and Grogu movie combined, you know, kind of some some Mighty Morphin Power Rangers shit. You get the the TV shows go f first, then the movie comes next. And when they combined, they create this juggernaut known as the Mandalorian season four plus some. Okay. I think it's a great idea, and if you think about it, it could get both casuals and us nuts into the theaters. I mean, us nuts are going to be there anyways, but let's say you're a casual, 
you're like, all right, I can handle this. Uh, Mandalorian season three really wasn't up to snuff for me, but knowing this one's only six episodes and then we're going to get a movie, I'm going to check it out again. And and you really have great six episodes. You really build towards this insane finale climax. And then it's like, oh, well, to see the rest, you're going to have to wait a few months and, and go to the movies to see the Mandalorian Grogu. So... I kind of dig that. I think that gives me a little bit of what I want. I'm still going to get part of a season, so there's going to be opportunities for those lore moments. But then we're also going to get a movie event, which is something I've been missing out on since 2019. So um, I sadly, I think this is probably the most unlikely because it would require the most time and money. But on paper, if we are scrapping Mando season four altogether and you're only going to get a movie... This is how I want to go. Um, all right, let me check the live stream chat here. We got our buddy Johnny asking a question. Johnny is saying, would you want to see Mando Grogu movie where they left off season three or more of what Nick hates in origin story? Well, I Johnny, it, it, it depends on some of these rumors, but... there's great potential to pick up right where they left off or, you know, they're on their first mission for the new Republic. It was already established in Mandalorian season three. You know, he, he went out there and and talked to our boy Carson Taven, like, Hey, listen, bro, me and dude, we, we, we're here for you. He's an apprentice. Now we need to get out there. We, we, I got to train him up, get him on some missions. So we do, we do have that established that that he that Din and Grogu would be working for the New Republic in some form of Ranger role. Um, so I, I don't think we need an origin story. So I, I do believe it would be picking up where things left off and probably accounting for at least a quarter, if not more, of what Favreau had already written for Mandalorian season four. That's what we got to remember, everyone. John had season four in the can before season three came out. So those stories were etched in stone. It, it just depends. What, what are they going to do now that Lucasfilm is saying, hey, we're, we're getting itchy with this shit, with the strike, this, that, and the other thing. We need a Star Wars movie back in theaters. What do you think about turning it into a movie? So who knows? Um, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you, Matt Polanka. And and Connor kind of mentioned it last week. He's like, you know, this announcement, this Mando and Grogu, it 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 stinks of of studio meddling. And and I have to agree. I mean, making Star Wars tip this off months ago, you know, before the strikes were resolved. He's like, listen, they're talking about this, and it makes sense from the money guys and girls perspective up there. Like, hey, how can we get something in front of our fans as fast as possible? for as cheap as possible, where we're going to make the most potential money possible. Now, that that's the, those aren't things that a creative would be thinking about, and the creative being John Favreau. So yeah, it, I, I still think all this, everything we're talking about, even the official Mandalorian Grogu movie, I, I, I agree with Connor from Beyond the Dune Sea. I do think it's studio meddling, sadly. So I, I don't think Favreau is, is thrilled and deep down, I'm sure Filoni's not happy either, but being CCO now, I'm sure he can't voice those opinions out loud. So he's probably like, yeah, yeah, Kathy and Bob sounds like a great idea. I'll stamp it if you need me to so you don't kill me. You know what I mean? 
All right. Well, there. Hey, the thumbs up worked this time. What about thumbs down? Can we get a thumbs down? We got a thumbs down. Let's get the laser lights going. You know, sometimes I, I get lost here. Can we get the laser lights? Yeah. Rock and roll. Star Wars time. It's like we're at an 80s concert. I love it. I forget all the other <laughs> reactions that can be done. Shit's so silly. Oh, right. That's right. The heart. You guys want some love today? I'm going to give you some love. Give you some love for Mando. Mando news. All right. There you go. Rain, I think, is double thumbs down, possibly. All right, I'll quit wasting your time. Uh, what's the confetti? Ooh, <laughs> confetti. <laughs> See, small brain, quick to be entertained. You know what I mean? Okay, so the last option here, and uh, the one I'm, I'm not, I guess I can't hate, but it definitely worries me a lot. And this one dropped earlier today from The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, The Mandalorian Season 4 is just not a priority, but they're also saying that it is not just completely canceled. So, uh, like I said, The Hollywood Reporter is hinting that Mandaverse storytelling does, the- does seem, at least from their sources, that it is transitioning into a theatrical production versus TV. So that kind of corroborates or lines up with some of the stuff that Making Star Wars was saying. Um, but yeah, the, the season four not being a priority, the movie is a thing. That, that's what worries me the most. Is like, hey, we're just going to do the movie. If the movie ma- And this is all like behind the scenes. Hey, if the movie makes money, we'll let them do another movie. If the movie doesn't make money, fuck it. So what we're looking at here for sure is at least the Mandalorian Grogu and Ahsoka Season 2 and Skeleton Crew. Now, depending on some of these rumors, it sounds like we could get a more fleshed out version of the Mandalorian, at least Season 4, beyond the movie. And I really hope that's the case because (sighs) I just I'm not a fan of taking eight episodes or a script that equal eight episodes of content and turning it into a two-hour or less movie. Because you know, if, if, they, if they do just do a, do a movie, it's not going to be much more than two hours. And, and that worries me, because there's going to be a lot of stuff that John is going to be asked to trim. And some of that shit getting trimmed could be gold. You know, lore gold. Gold lore nuggets, as we like to call them here at the SWTS. Um, yeah, I, hey, listen, Mando Pirate, I know we... Uh, Mando Pirate saying money is most important to Disney. Well, I know everyone rags on Disney these days for some of their choices and making money grabs, but that's any company. You got to remember, they they don't answer to creatives or even really customers. They answer to the stock and their, their shareholders. And usually their shareholders are really, really rich people. So they'll do whatever they need to do to make that stock go up. And a lot of times that's not going to be to the benefit of the consumer and it's definitely not going to benefit the artist in this situation so um that's just um capitalism 101 so i i mean we can we can definitely rag on disney for going for the cash but that is literally the fundamental building block of our american society all right uh, the this this capitalistic society warrants that you literally try to make as much money as possible at the detriment of everything else. All right. 
But hey, as long as you're the one at the top making that money, it's it's a good fucking deal. You know what I mean? All right, so there we go on the Mandalorian uh, moving forward. Still as clear as mud, but there there are some rumors out there that get me a little excited that it, it's not just going to be the Mandalorian Grogu. All right, so hopefully it's it's Mandalorian season four starts on TV, ends in movies. That would be my ideal if season four goes away altogether. Second would be the trilogy. So Mando and Grogu does well. That green lights a third Mandoverse movie. The fourth option where Mando season four is not a priority and we're just going to focus on movies. That one worries me the most. All right, everyone. Thanks for uh, tuning in. But it's not the end of the show. I know you guys were getting uh, worried there. Just want to remind everyone to give us a, a sub, like what you're watching, share it around, turn on those notifications if you know what is good for you. Woo! All right, you want to talk about a, a Star Wars story that has been all over the place the past few days, including just a few hours ago. I don't know how many of you keep your ear to the street like I do, but um, <laughs> smash together donuts. Bad, that is, that, I, I've seen that too. That's like a new trend. I, I don't understand it. Uh, people go to Krispy Kreme, which they taste fine just as is, but they'll, they'll take like a two dozen smash them as, as far as they can get and then take a big bite out and be like, yeah, I basically just ate a dozen donuts in one bite. It's like, okay. Can you take the follow-up video when you were dying of diabetes in a hospital? And why would you want to waste that type of food? How much food gets wasted on all these fucking vertical shorts on social media? That's what I want to know. Because there's a lot of good-looking food there, and it looks like you're just making it to make a video, and I hope it is getting eaten, okay? Because I don't eat a lot of good food throughout the week, else I'll get really fat. I don't like being fat. I like looking somewhat slim because I am a short man, and if I put on any amount of weight, I look like Job of the Hutt. Um, but yeah, the smash donut craze, whatever, man. I'm, I guess I'm just getting too old. <laughs> Or that's what I should do, because it's not like anyone watches our thoughtful content. So instead of talking Star Wars, every Tuesday, Nick and I should just come on here and eat random shit. Or, you know, copy that the, the Hot Ones podcast and just try to eat hot stuff until one of us has to go to the ER or dies live on the stream. You know what I mean? All right. So um, as I was setting up there, there, there's another story going around. It's popped up over the past few days. And, and obviously, uh, some of the big names, some of the trolls out there have just latched onto this like it's gospel. Um, everybody's favorite mega Star Wars YouTube channel creator, Star Wars Theory. I just saw it before we went live. Uh, the story I'm about to talk about it, and I'll talk about it with, with thought and actually give you all the information. The way this dude decided to kick it off with his audience, the title of his video, Ray Movie Cancelled. You got to love that type of shit. I mean, I, I, I guess I understand why he does it, but what, what makes me funny is when he bitches that when people come after him for, you know, creating clickbait or, or being divisive. Uh, but anyways, what I'm talking about and what theory was trolling his fans over is um, this. There's, there's some smoke, some smoke fuming up around the Ray led movie. All right. We know this is a real movie. It's been announced. Uh, it was technically supposed to be the first movie out of the gate, but with the news last week that Mandalorian Grogu was going to take that spot, that led to a lot of sites out there to start getting creative with, hey, 
well, you know, the Ray movie's probably canceled because the director talked all that woke shit. And, you know, just started running with all sorts of random stuff here, um, including today. Like, as we can see here at the at the start of, the, of today or, or maybe even the end of yesterday, the word was uh, Daisy Ridley's untitled Ray Skywalker Star Wars movie is delayed indefinitely. Stephen Knight may be exiting. He's not turning in his scripts. Everything sucks. This is what you get, Disney, when you hire women, you woke motherfucking panderers. You know, it, it was starting to get that stuff going. Like I said, based on this report, Star Wars Theory ran with a video or a live stream titled Ray Movie Canceled. I don't quite see how we get that just out of the title, but here we go. This is what you should do when you see stuff like that. You, you, you got to dig into it here. All right, so this report comes from World of Real, which Bespin Bolton says is somewhat legit, but not for Star Wars news. So right there, you should already be like, okay, what, what's going on here? Um, but essentially, this World of Real is reporting that Disney has internally delayed the Ray film indefinitely. And that's the reason they pivoted to the Mandalorian Grogu last week. And the reason they did this is because there's problems plaguing this film. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of creative issues and Stephen Knight doesn't like it. And he turned in a script and there were so many notes. He's like, fuck this. I'm going to go work on my Peaky Blinders movie. And it's like, okay, okay. All right. Whatever, whatever. And, you know, I guess apparently making Star Wars last week said that um, he had heard about some of the Steve, Stephen Knight drama and him not turning in a draft yet. But I mean, he said and this is making Star Wars, I'm not saying he's going to write it or not. I don't know. You know, scheduling and stars did not align. So, you know, maybe Knight is working, maybe he's not, maybe he's still writing a draft, maybe he's not. But I, I, I don't know how you draw the line that, hey, this movie's canceled, uh, we won, woke, you know, uh, MAGA wins, or whatever the fuck people are running with with this story. Because here's the funny part. All right, so all this noise comes out last night, this morning, and then a few hours later, we got Gizmodo coming out here. You know, that, that is a site I, I would probably trust a little bit more than World of Real because they're a, a corporate site and people are paid to work here. Uh, and they're coming out saying, no, Ray's Star Wars movie hasn't been delayed. So now you know why I've stopped doing a lot of news posts on StarWarsTime.net because a lot of the news coming out the past year or so has been nothing but this. One site saying, hey, the other site saying, pump the brakes. And then it changes the next day. And seven days later when we're ready to do the next show, it could be on the 18th version of what was initially reported. Hey now, there's our boy Devin Doty joining up in the chat. We got him and props in the in the stream for the first time in decades. Let's celebrate with a double peace sign. Okay. I don't know what double peace. Oh, double peace gives us confetti. Kick ass. All right. So anyways, like I said, Gizmodo's coming out combating these reports that the Ray movie is dead. All right. So Gizmodo is saying... You can take that latest Star Wars rumor and throw it in the Sarlacc pit. I'm actually starting to think Gizmodo was written by AI, but whatever. Um, so like I said, earlier this week, rumors surfaced that the upcoming Charmin Aboid Chinoy Star Wars film featuring the return of da Daisy Ridley as Rey had been delayed indefinitely. The reason? Creative differences with the film's writer Stephen Knight. Well, that's not true, according to Lucasfilm. 
A source at the company told io9 the report is inaccurate and Knight continues to write and be part of the process. In fact, the company is waiting on his latest draft as you read this. All right, so, you know, obviously, all this could be a bunch of bullshit. I mean, Lucasfilm could be telling io9 a bunch of bullshit just to kind of shut things up. Because sometimes in the rumor world, especially with Star Wars, where there's smoke, there's definitely fire. Um, but who knows? So, uh, you know, like Gizmodo's saying, it, it's not like, you know, it's not like they can say with 100% that, that they're right or that these other rumors are correct. But they're at least willing to come out on the record and say that their source at Lucasfilm is denying the Ray is canceled or Ray is delayed and definitely Stephen Knight's a communist that hates uh, how Lucasfilm wants to get on creatively. So it's just one of those stories where, and it doesn't just have to be Star Wars, I just ask all of you in life to stop getting sucked in by clickbait, this inflammatory stuff, and, and read beyond the headline, okay? Read beyond the headline. Start digging around. Where are these reports coming from? World of Real? Okay, who's that? If you're asking yourself who's that, right there you should be like, okay, th this report could be suspect. So I don't know. I I'm going to lean with Gizmodo because they had an actual Lucasfilm source. Not saying that making Star Wars or World of Real does not. Uh, but since they are willing to kind of, this, this Jermaine Lassier here was willing to put their name on it, they must be confident. So I don't think the Ray movie is delayed indefinitely, but it very well could not be the first movie out of the gate now because the writing is taking longer than they thought. Now, that doesn't mean it's canceled. It just means it might not be the first Star Wars movie out of the gate since Tross. That now is very much looking like the Mandalorian Grogu because they should start shooting that over the next few months. So there's your boy. There's your show, SWTS, just schooling you all on the land of Star Wars news, what's clickbait, what's not, and how to process it all. All right? You're welcome. I know you all appreciate that. I do it for you all because I don't want any of you getting caught looking like an idiot out there talking smack about stuff that isn't real. Okay, we got one more little newsy thing before I, I dive into this week's special topic. Like I said, I'm going to be going through our top scenes from the Mandoverse era. It kind of makes sense to keep this topic today with all the Mandoverse content we are talking about. Uh, but before we get there, we got one more little update, and this is an official update, and it's a positive update, <laughs> unlike some of these... Uh, initial stories I've been talking about, but I think it was last night, possibly at the Emmys, someone caught hold of Diego Luna and asked him about Andor season two, and he revealed that he only has seven days left of filming on Andor season two, and he was headed back to London today to uh, begin that work. So, um, like I said, it's, um, I'll, I'll read his, his quote here. Here's what Diego said. It's the finale. It's second and last season. And we're a few days away from being done because of the strikes. We had to stop. I'm going back to shoot now and we're working hard. Same team, same people, same rigor. And we're trying to deliver something as good or even better. Hopefully it's getting so close to rogue one. So many things you're expecting to happen will happen. Um, so yeah, good stuff there, right? I mean, uh, 
it's we all knew Andor season two would not be coming out this year because it did not finish filming. I'm, I'm not even sure why this is news to some people, but hey, it's a slow day. Nick's not here. Why not burn up some of my hot air on this news, which I find to be quite like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Um, but it, it, it's good to know they're almost done, which means they could be getting close to post-production. Which means, you know, and or season two would be moving into its second phase, which is post, which means it's just getting closer to seeing the light of day. Um, now, what's not clear is, is, does Diego only have seven more days or is that the whole production only has seven more days? The way he was talking, it sounds like he only has seven more days to shoot. Yeah, he says, I have a few days to shoot because of the strike. So that doesn't mean the production itself is going to end. So everyone should still kind of keep their eye on 2025 for Andor Season 2. Um, now, who knows what's going to happen with the, with the Mandoverse. But I would think if Andor can get done this year, get some good post in, there is possibility that Andor Season 2 could be one of the first uh, live-action shows on Disney Plus out of the gate in 2025. All right, so we'll just have to kind of keep our eyes on that. But uh, Andor, about ready to get back to filming, and our star is headed off to get some work in, to do the work. Hey there, Nova. Welcome, welcome to the party. Uh, yeah, Mando Pirate, that's a great point. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that real quick before we move on here. Mando Pirates saying here, I love not how people suddenly start attacking people's views when they get news they don't want. Yeah, I mean, that's Star Wars for you. And that's why I said early on, I mean, if you listen to Connor and I last week, we clearly don't see eye to eye on more than a few things in Star Wars, but we also didn't sit here and start calling each other's names or, or saying one is less than the other because of how they feel about a certain Star Wars movie or TV show. It can be done. And uh, I just want to reiterate that, you know, it's fun to talk to people that don't share the same opinion. And some of the feedba uh, feedback I got from Connor was was good. Uh, for this narcissist, it's it's a type of feedback I needed to hear. He basically said like, hey, dude, it was, it was just actually way more cool than I thought being on the show with you and kind of seeing how you work versus how we work and what you do well and what we may try to kind of pick up from you. So I, I appreciate when the young ones... Pay a little homage to us elder Star Wars statesmen out there. All right, so thanks again there, Connor. Um, yeah, League, that's another. Hey, might as well talk to the fans a bit before we switch segments. So thanks, Mando Pirate. You guys are giving me a, a, a virtual co-host at least. But League's making another point here. She's one of our few female friends, so we appreciate the hell out of her. But League's saying, imagine being female and having a Star Wars opinion. I can, I can only imagine. It, it, it's probably 10 times worse, 30 times worse than us men because we all know how super Star Wars fans deal with females and their opinions. And, and God, hell, they go nuts if a female is in a lead role and a powerful female at that. So I can only imagine, League, we speak your name, stay strong, and fuck those haters. Right? That's, that's, we can also say that. So thanks again for those of you in the live chat. I, I like the feedback. If you got any questions while I'm spitting, go ahead and plop them in there, and I might get to them if it makes sense. If I got a pause or if it's a really, really good question that's going to take me on a tangent, I feel like going down. Let's keep it up. Thanks, everyone. 
Keep subbing up there. If you have not done so, don't forget StarWarsTime.net as well if you want to hit the podcast platforms. If you are on a podcast platform, make sure to leave a rating and review. That shit really helps on Spotify, iTunes, Google, you know, the big ones. So rate that shit. Rate it. Even if you're a live stream watcher, go ahead and sign up on the podcast too. If you haven't done it yet, do either do it on Spotify or iTunes because I think they're the biggest ones. We want the, the, the numbers over there. Okay, so that takes us into this week's special topic. We started this, oh, way, way back in 2023, I believe. Um, when Nick and I kind of recounted our favorite scenes from the prequels. Then we did our favorite scenes from Andor Rogue One and the OT. Now it's time to talk about the top scenes from the Mandoverse era. So to me, the Mandoverse era includes Mandalorian Season 1, 2, and 3, The Book of Boba Fett, and Ahsoka. You know, if we got Skeleton Crew in before the strike, that would have been in there too, but alas, we did not. So this is where we are at. Uh, so Nick's not here, which is kind of a bummer. So I'm going to have to just go through and talk about all these from kind of my perspective and why they're awesome. But I do think next week when we start, if Nick is alive, we'll we'll at least kind of recap this with our top five. So he can get a little play on here since he did pick his five top Mandoverse era scenes. All right. We ready for this live streamers? Here we go. Without further ado, the top Mandoverse era scenes. And these really aren't in any order. I just kind of keep them in chronological order here. So, so bear with me. But the first one I'm going with here, and I know we've all have, a, have said the line at least once or twice because of this scene, but I got to lead with the opening sequence for the Mandalorian S1E1, the premiere. Uh, in particular, we get to hear, you know, I can take you in hot or cold for the first time. And, and I really think this opening sequence just set the tone for the Mandalorian season one and beyond. Uh, you know, Din was still in his Durasteel armor. He was looking a little rough. He wasn't in that nice uniform chrome. He barely talked. We didn't know shit about him yet. We just knew he was a bounty hunter and he was a Mandalorian and he had a cool looking helmet. We see him go to that, this icy world. He walks into that bar, fucks some dudes up, cuts them in half, and then grabs his target who ultimately goes on to help him in season two. But it's really, it was just the, the, the look, feel of this scene, and then obviously getting the line for the first time, I can take you in hot, I can take you in cold. Uh, which, like I said, many of us have either recreated in Star Wars art, be it toy photography, paintings, or we've at least said, either on in live streams or to other Star Wars fans for probably the past shit. When did Mando Season 1 come out? 2019 at this point? Wow. Wow. We're coming up on almost five years, believe it or not. So that is the first top scene from the Mandoverse era. The first time we get to see Din do his thing. All right. The next scene to discuss. Same episode, same series. But how can you not reflect upon the ending of the Mandalorian S1E1? Again, the premiere. You know, we just had a kick-ass battle with, with uh, you know, our boy IG and Mando. And, they're, you know, they're going in. They're going to get their quarry. 
and you're like, okay, what, what, what's this going to be? What, what is it? Is it? We know they're looking for a 50 year old. Where are they? I don't see a 50 year old anywhere. And then the camera pans to this little almost bassinet looking egg. And then if you're on the stream, we get the pull out in this shot and you realize that their bounty, the quarry they are going for, yeah, it was 50 years old, but it was a baby and it was a baby Yoda. I know at this point in time, nearly five years later, Grogu, aka Baby Yoda, may make some of you sick because of how he's been used to, you know, kind of commercialize the Mandalorian and, and really drive some sales. And he potentially was brought back in the book of Boba because of all that type of shit. But this moment, the first time you saw it, I don't care where you were, who you were with, what you were doing, I guarantee you remember all of it. Because it's it's just one of those Star Wars moments that gets burned into your brain. Because it 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 looked awesome. It was shot very well. It was a surprise. No one expected it to happen. No one in, in, in their wildest dreams would ever been like, oh, yeah, we're going to see a, a new Yoda type of character in The Mandalorian. I mean, no one was thinking that way. And then Favreau pulls this shit out the end, and it just completely changed my expectations for this series for Star Wars TV moving forward. It was It was like an epiphany moment. It was just one of those Star Wars moments, like I said, that that you're never going to forget what was going on in your life when it happened. Um, And and like I said, this shot is just, it's a piece of art. You know, it it could be up there with with some of the religious paintings that people fawn over. Uh, If you're not on the live stream, it's the shot of Grogu in his, whatever the hell we got, I forget what we call it right now, but just sticking his little hand up and then sticking his finger down. It's, it's almost like a silhouette. It's just beautiful. Everything about this moment just, just kicked ass. It, it is, it's probably one of the best moments to date from the Mandoverse era. Um, and it looks like, looks like League and Sir Dork agree with me in the chat. So we're going to move along. Sticking with Mandalorian. Uh, but we're crossing into season two now. All right. So, yeah, you know, the Darksaber reveal, that was cool and all that. But we're talking like the the very top, top scenes. The scenes you're like, oh, shit. Or the scenes you remember. Or the scenes where something major happened uh, narrative-wise. So the one we're talking about now, if you're on the live stream, is Ahsoka's arrival in live action. With the bonus caveat of also learning baby yoda's real name grogu okay this moment happened in in season two i think it was episode five and it is it's still one of the best overall episodes of the mandalorian in general Uh, but the reason it's a top scene from this era is because like i said it it is the moment it is the episode is the scene where ahsoka tano a fan favorite character that didn't start as a fan favorite, but a fan favorite character from the Clone Wars animated franchise. You know, seven seasons of storytelling. She's all over the place. She showed up in Rebels. I mean, she is a dog, all right? So when you finally get her in live action and, and you realize that this important character, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, is now moving into live action and has potential to give us more stories, fill in some lore gaps, to paint a better picture of what happened to her after the animated series. It, it was amazing. So yes, this scene makes it. And like I said, you get the bonus of learning through her 
that Baby Yoda, the child, actually had a name and it is Grogu. Plus, we got some insights into his past. The, you know, the fact that he was at the Jedi Temple during Order 66, we didn't know a lot of this stuff until Ahsoka revealed it in this moment. So, yes, Ahsoka's arrival in live action, 100% a top scene of this era. It's, it's wild now if we're looking at the image. I mean, just, just think about how much Rosario's costume or the the well, the, the, the Lekus have changed since this debut. You know, they've gotten a little longer. They, they've taken some of the fan feedback. But this is the first time we saw Snips in live action, and, and it was a banger. I mean, the whole episode's great. Morgan was introduced. Uh, you know, Beskar Spears and how they're illegal and the lore behind that. It's it just quality Star Wars here. Ah, that's right. Look at League's getting all excited here. League loves herself from Ahsoka, so she just passed out in her seat. Gotta love it. All right, next scene from this era that makes the top moment list. And those of you that have been with me or, or been with Nick and I for a long time now, or at least the dawn of the SWTS, I know you'll have a little smile about this because on the screen you, you are seeing a character that I used to talk a ton of shit about. A ton of shit. A lot of Star Wars fans called this dude the GOAT. I called him the Bozo. Yes, we're talking about Boba Fett. He was redeemed via this scene. The scene I'm talking about, season two of The Mandalorian on Tython. The uh, return of Boba. All right, so this is where he shows up. He's been tracking Din for forever, really since season one when he, uh, him and that dude took out Fennec. But he finally tracks him to Tython, runs into Din, and is like, hey, pal. Just, I want my fucking armor back, please. You know, they, they talk a little shit. And then eventually Din's like, all right, cool, dude. Yeah, you, you can have that. Just just help me here. With these stormtroopers are showing up trying to take my kid. Okay, so after that happens, we get to see the Boba Fett that all of you were telling me that I should have known about. The goat version of Boba Fett. Before he even gets his acid-washed armor, dude's breaking skulls with his, his gaffy stick you know, smacking stormtroopers across the face. But then we see him eye up the Razor Crest. We know what's in there. The scene shifts back to, to Din and Fennec. Din's doing his best bullet sponge impression. And then out of nowhere, from the heavens, Boba Fett in his armor descends upon these Imperial Remnant forces and just lays waste to them. We're talking knee rockets, spinning pistols, shooting stuff out of his gauntlets. It was just a spectacle to see. And for the first time in my Star Wars life, I was like, yeah, these crazy motherfuckers that were telling me that Boba Fett from the original trilogy is a dude, now I actually see this dude they speak of. And he is the dude, like a dog type of dude. And, and I loved it. I mean, it was... Everything changed for me in that character. Uh, I probably now own more Boba Fett Hot Toys figures than any other character. It makes no sense. I chased away half of our new audience because of my negative opinions on the formerly known as Bozo Fett. But here we are. A man can change. A Star Wars fan can change his mind if there is evidence to elicit such change. And we got that in the Mandalorian via this scene. Um, yeah, you know what? 
Sir Dork reminds me, he's saying top Star Wars moment is Matt's angry monologue after this episode debut. And and Jared, you're right. It was like, it was up until this episode, you know, I, he was still bozo fat to me and, and I, you fans would get under my skin like, no, you're an idiot. He's awesome. Okay. And then, yeah, then this episode, I think this episode did happen. And then that's when I was, we just whipped out the flamethrowers like, yeah, see you stupid idiots. This is the actual Boba Fett you're telling me about, not the bozo from the original trilogy. And and I started calling out people by names and basically like, you're a loser. You're a loser. You're a fucking idiot. You're dumb. And they're like, hey, that's not nice. And they left. So <laughs> uh, I haven't really done one of those scorched earth fan uh, dress downs in, in quite some time. But thank you for reminding me, Jared. Uh, but it was it was a fun moment in Star Wars time show history. Um, if that moment didn't happen, we'd probably have ten thousand fans by now. Because, like I said, I'm pretty sure that wiped out two thirds of our audience, and it never <laughs> recovered. That's a double thumbs down for that one, or we'll just get a single thumbs down. Thank you, Mac. All right, but hey, he's my man now. Love Tamara Morrison. Was mostly a fan of Book of Boba Fett, but this scene on Tython with him knocking heads, taking names, stealing armor, you know, explaining why the armor belongs to him to Din, just just classic quality Boba. All right, next scene here. This one might surprise some of you. We're looking at Bill Burr, also known as Mayfeld, even though he pretty much is Bill Burr in Star Wars. But I have to say, even though Bill does not like Star Wars and he makes fun of people like us, I get it. He's a comedian. I'm, I'm not one of these people that, that gets upset when a comedian makes fun of my stuff. It's okay. I actually wish Bill Burr would just make fun of me talking about Star Wars. You never know. Um, but the scene I'm talking about, it, it, it was a very poignant moment in The Mandalorian Season 2. I think it was Episode 7. This is after they they break Mayfeld out of the New Republic scrapyard because they need his help to break into this island base so Din can look for Gideon's ship. All right, there's the setup here. So whatever happens, Mayfeld and Din, they get paired together. They make it all the way to the Imperial base. They're in, you know, a tank trooper disguise. They end up sitting down with like an arrogant Imperial officer, a captain, who starts kind of going into Operation Cinder and um, or just, you know, just just being a dickhead. And, and Mayfeld kind of replies and starts, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Operation Cinder. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you guys essentially decide to, to kill all my friends and my whole unit and all that type of shit. And at first the officer is like, hey, what's this guy? He's, he's just fucking around. Like, we're just reminiscing. We're talking war stories. But eventually you could start to tell, and even Din's like, oh shit, what, what is Mayfeld about to do? This isn't good, isn't good. But eventually Mayfeld just like, you know what, motherfucker, fuck you, and just ices the dude, an Imperial officer, at, in an Imperial base, in the lunchroom, around a bunch of uh, shore, troop, shore troopers, stormtroopers, other officers. It was just a great moment. It, it, it made the character of Mayfeld feel more like just Bill Burr doing Star Wars stand-up. Um, and it, and it showed that, you know, the, 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 some of the people that served in the empire, they, they were no fans of the empire. They lost a lot too. They were asked to do horrible things and horrible things were committed upon them by their superior officers. So it was just a, it was a great moment for a, a character that, Hey, we may, may never see again, 
But I do believe because of this episode and this speech in particular that Mayfeld took part in and the the cold-blooded 187 he does to end the speech, it's, uh, people remember that. And it, it's a standout scene from the Mandoverse era. Hence, it's on this list. Okay. Sticking with the Mandalorian, still in season two. And, and this one is a no-brainer. I mean, let's be real, people. This is the greatest scene from this era to date. I doubt it's ever going to be beaten. And I'm talking about Luke Skywalker, Red Five's rescue in Mandalorian S2E8, the big finale. You know, all the good guys, they're locked on the bridge. They got Gideon. He's talking shit. He's like, ha, 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 the dark troopers are coming back. You have no way to turn them off. You're all screwed. Bad guys win again. And then what do we see? We see an X-Wing fly into the bay. And I'll, I'll never forget this moment. This is another one kind of like the end of Mandalorian Season 1 E1 when we get the Baby Yoda reveal. But you're sitting there, the ship's coming in. And even now, I'm like, no way. They're not going to do Luke. There's no way they're bringing Luke in. They don't need to. I just... On my podcast a week later, I basically said I'd cut off my own dick if they brought Luke in because it's crazy. You can't do it. And sure enough, the X-Wing comes in. I'm still holding. I'm like, nah, that's not going to be Luke. They can't do Luke. And, you know, you see this black cloaked figure. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Might be Luke. But no, it can't be Luke. Can't be Luke. And then you see the hilt come out in the blade light. And you're like, Luke, it's Luke. They did it. They did it. I don't know why they did it, but I love it. It's like, ah, I mean, all the feels that we experienced as a Star Wars fanboy and girl community. I mean, come on. How is this not the best scene from this era, if not one of the greatest Star Wars scenes of all time when you really think about it? It was just, it was the surprise. It was just, I I was so against the mains being brought into the Mandoverse. I, I didn't even want someone like Boba Fett to be brought into the Mandoverse. It's all kind of worked out in the end, but you know, you, you don't need a Luke, you don't need a Han, you don't need a Leia, but they went with it and it was awesome. It's, it's one of those fan moments that it, it does get me emotional. Uh, I, I, I mean, every time I watch this scene, it's not the same punch. It's not the like, oh, I love being Star Wars fans. I love Luke. I love R2. Oh my God. I remember them from when I was a little kid. You know, that type of shit. But it still hits me because I, you know, I, I, it hits me for the feels that I get from my own Star Wars experience thinking about, you know, the shit with my dad. And that was kind of like our, one of our only things we bonded over. Um, really the only thing we bonded over in, in life. Uh, it's just it's just such a great moment. Uh, not to mention the visuals of it. I mean, dude keeps his hood essentially pulled down to his mouth the whole time and just weighs lace. Laced? No, that's what you do with drugs. He lays waste to an interior uh, to an entire imperial cruiser. I mean, no one made it out of there alive. I mean, he, he takes out dark troopers like they're toys. I mean, he made the dark troopers look like B-1 battle droids. It was, it was fantastic. So you, you get the nostalgia of Luke Skywalker being there. You get the visuals. And you also, as a fan, you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is seven-year post-Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker. I can dig that. He definitely feels like a little bit more than a Jedi Knight at this point in time. Hell, I might give him the Jedi Master title at this point in time, something his father could never achieve. 
Um, it, it was great. And, and it, it, even the, the, the payoff at the very end where the, the doors open and he whips off the hood to, you know, kind of get uncanny Luke. Even still, it didn't matter. Fantastic Star Wars moment. Uh, not only the best of this era, but probably a top five live action Star Wars moment of all time. And uh, I might need to write that down, right? We, we might need to do a... Now that once we get through all of these, I think Nick and I either have to do like our top 10 or top five overall scenes, right? How's that sound? Overall live action franchise scenes how's that and one of these days i'm gonna have to get him to start watching some of the cartoons again so we can come up with top animated star wars scenes of all time all right good stuff there so yeah the luke moment huge and if you're keeping score here anyone want to guess what my next top scene is going to be as i fuck around with this uh with my notes so i don't forget all right, well, you know, we, we, we can't let the... You know what, Sir Dork? I, I mean, R2 got me, got me a little worked up, too. I'll actually reflect on that more when I talk about another moment from Ahsoka with a particular droid. But yeah, it, I mean, any time. It's like I am I'm very Pavlonian when it comes to OT-era characters showing up in this era. It's just like as soon as I either hear them or see them... It's an instant like, oh, oh, oh melting inside because I remember being a kid. Uh, so good stuff. And that, that's why I love Star Wars. It's, who cares about the haters? It's, it, you know, why does it make you feel good? Or why does it make you smile? Why does it make you get teary eyed? That's all that matters. Who gives a shit what people hate or don't like? Um, but sticking with the same episode here, and it, I guess it technically could be considered all the same scene, but I, I think it does need to be on its own. And this one fucks me up too, mostly because I am a, a parent to a little one. And I do know down the road how the way things are going these days, sooner than later. It, it just, some of you parents out there that have made it through your kids growing up, hit me up and let me know how you coped with that shit. Cause I only have one and she's going to be eight in April. And it feels like it's over. Like I've, I've, I've missed. Like my little kid's gone and she's only getting older and older. And I understand that's going to be interesting too. But, you know, being a dad of an only kid and kind of realizing that the the little kid moments are, are fleeting and dad being the hero and the only male that she cares about is also fleeting. That, that stuff's fucking me up. I'm not going to sit here and... <laughs> and mess with it and get into a Dr. Phil session, but damn. Anyways, it, it, it leads into this scene here. The scene I am talking about is when uh, Din Jaren decides to remove his helmet in front of other people so Grogu can look upon him with his own eyes as they say goodbye. Um, man, it is, it, what an emotional moment. I mean, Pedro kills it. The puppeteers kill it with Grogu. But like I said, if if you're a parent, or I guess even if you're one of these people that think you're a parent if you have pets, kind of the same idea. I mean, just thinking about taking something you love with every ounce of your goddamn soul. You almost died protecting this thing and raising this thing, dumping money into this thing. But knowing that the right thing to do for this 
in this case, Grogu, or your young kids, or your pet, is to let them move on, to grow beyond you. Just like Luke and Yoda, or really Yoda said to Luke and, and TLJ, it's like, hey, you can only do so much as a master, a coach, a mentor, a dad, a parent. You, you got to kind of let them just take what you gave them and, and hope that they, they, they work it all out and, and ultimately teach you something in the end. But seeing Din say goodbye to Grogu after two seasons of trying to get him back to his people was was rough. And, you know, it was last week when Connor was talking about one of his gripes from the Mandiverse era being the Book of Boba Fett, in particular, the fact that they returned Grogu to Din seemingly, you know, in our time, months after this, this major emotional moment, it just it, it feels like it cheapened this moment um, in the end. Living through it live, this was still a very powerful Star Wars emotional moment, so I kept it on the list. Goodbye, little Grogu, or should we say welcome home, Din Grogu. All right, so that takes us out of Mandalorian Season 2, but I still have some top scenes from The Mandalorian. So we're in the Season 3, and really the the two scenes from Season 3 kind of stand out. I mean, Season 3, I, I liked it. But I wouldn't say it had any of those moments like we just discussed from season one or two where as a fan, especially a longtime fan, you kind of had to sit there and catch your breath after witnessing something. But I will say a, a moment that, that kind of felt like that in Mandalorian season three came during the penultimate episode. And that moment is Paz Vizsla's last stand against those Praetorian guards. Uh, I know Nick and I, we, we, it was one of our top Star Wars moments of 23, so it had to make this list top scenes of the Mandoverse era. But it, it, it is a great death. It, it, it's one of the best deaths for a named Star Wars character. It it kind of put a exclamation point on the character arc of Paz Vizsla. I mean, he had a true arc over three seasons. Uh, even He even showed up in the Book of Boba. So, so him and Din have always kind of been attached to each other, usually as adversaries. Um, but throughout season three, you start to see how Paz was opening up to Din and Din's way of doing things to the point that where they finally were all on the same page and they're ready to retake Mandalore. Paz was like, you know what? Din, you need to stay alive. Bo, you need to stay alive. The rest of you, this one's for you. I'm taking this for the team, and he sacrifices himself. I mean, he he put up a fight, took out, I think, all of the super Imperial super commandos, but once uh, Gideon rolled out the dudes in, in red, it was a little much too much to handle, and and he fell. But it was it was a hero's death. He he allowed the other heroes to kind of do what they need to do, gave him a little extra time. And went down like a true Spartan of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, you know what, Sir Dork, that is right. But, you know, it shouldn't surprise us. They are Mandalorians. I, I doubt they're much into, uh, you know, giving glory. Although you'd think they'd, they'd be like Vikings and they would glorify death. Like, hey, if you die in battle, you're definitely going to go to the Mandalorian Valhalla. Uh, so you're right. It did suck. It, Sir Dork's just saying it kind of sucks. He didn't even get a mention by anyone after his death. Yeah, you would think even the armor might have said something or, or Din probably would have been a good person to say something since they, they kind of had that 
360 or 180 relationship where they really started button heads. But by the end, I think Paz greatly respected Din for kind of what he was getting into. And then the last top scene, at least from the Mandalorian franchise in the Mandoverse era, is what I call the flight of the Mandos. Uh, so this happened in the finale. This is one. It, it, it's Bo-Katan, the Armorer, Casca, you name it. They're, they're, you know, Bo's got the Darksaber out in a charge fashion, and they're all flying in with their jetpacks into Gideon's cave to start kicking ass and not taking names. It visually looked awesome. It, you know, had great music behind it. It, it, it was intense feeling as you were going through it. And really, it, it was one of these... It was kind of a case study in how powerful Mandalorians are when they are together, especially when it comes to war. I mean, they they did not have the same size force as Gideon had, yet with this small force, their jetpacks, uh, their, their decades and, and years of training in the art of war, it helped them to just kick all of their asses. Uh, I, I mean, it was just, it was a sight to see, you know, it, seeing all these mandos flying in the air with their jetpacks, the armor with her hammer, just smashing some dude at full force, Bo-Katan cutting people down with her sword, Casca shooting people, landing, doing a flip, taking off again, shooting. It was like, it was the, the, the flight of the mandos. It, it's the epitome of what Mandalorian culture is and how great they are as an organized wartime force. It's just amazing to see. So that kind of covers the top moments, at least from The Mandalorian. So we will now kick on over to Boba Fett. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. Do, do, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Sorry, I got problems. Happens sometimes. I get stuck in these little loops. I don't know what that's from. I've been been around a few years, done some things to the head. You never know. But hey, we are in the book of Boba Fett, and there's some people going, "Wait, you think there's a top scene from the book of Boba Fett?" Yeah, I actually think there's a a couple actually, if you think about it. And the first one for us is I believe this is the end of episode two from the book of Boba Fett. It's after he's been fully accepted into the Tusken Raider clan that found him and beat him for a while and treated him like a slave. Uh, but once he showed him that he could help out, killed that monster, they kind of allowed him to train with the warrior, and, and here we go. So the scene I'm talking about is at the end where they do this tribal dance. And you know, I've been talking about this since the first time I saw it. I feel like Tamara had a little influence on it. It definitely had a little, some Maori vibes to it, but it just, it, it felt super authentic to Boba's journey and what Tuscans would be doing as these nomadic tribes in, in on Tatooine. I just, I don't know. I, I loved everything about it. I loved the way it looked. I loved the way it sounded. I loved the way Tamara, like how intense he was with his eyes. Like, oh, ha. I mean, I want to learn how to do it. In fact, I'm going to go light a fire right now behind me, pull up the scene, and start recreating this tribal dance. So I can do it every weekend when I light a fire with the family. It just looked cool. And it 
it, it, it helped to show how Boba Fett was changing and, and what he wanted at this point in his life. It was no longer, I just want to be this, this badass loner that everyone's scared of because they think I'm going to kill him the moment I show up. He tells us throughout the season, like, hey, I, I needed this family. I needed them as a family. I need you all. I need Fennec as a family. Hell, I even need Din as a family. The Vespa game, they're part of his family now. So it, it started to show the transition of the loner Fett into the Fett that wanted to go from kind of being a, a pure bounty hunter killer to someone that had more power and control over what they were getting into. So I, I just I really dug the the tribal dance. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, Sir Dork is correct. Getting a lot of action out of Jared today. Appreciate you, buddy. He's saying on the stream, the Book of Boba theme song along needs to mention. It does. That's I guess that's why I started singing it. We do have to note that the best version of the song is the one that happens during the finale where, no joke, if you haven't heard it yet, they literally sing... Boba Fett, do 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 to to the beat. It's it's fantastic stuff. All right, another top moment from this particular series in this era is Boba's revenge on the biker gang. Now, to a lot of you hardcore Fett fans, this is probably the only moment from that series that stood out and really reminded you of the Boba Fett you grew up with. Uh, this is a scene where he finds that Nikto biker gang, the ones that. Um, the Pikes blamed on uh, essentially killing his Tuscan tribe. So right after he gets to slave one with Fennec, instead of going back there to hovel and making plans, he finds these dudes out in the Dune Sea. And, you know, like a true bird of prey, he descends upon them with the slave one and lights them up one by one using the tail gun of the slave one. You know, the... Not the not the seismic charge or the seismic charge. I know you you love when I drop the seismic out there, but we, we all know what what the slave one's tail gun sounds like too. It's another fantastic sound coming out of that ship. So a, a, a great moment, a a vintage Boba Fett moment, but one that I think a lot of people would remember. If you're like, hey, what stands out from the book of Boba Fett? Oh, you know where the you know the the series where they made him a pussy. Well, how about the the, the scene where he shows up with the slave one and murders an entire gang of Nikto? Yeah, I agree. It is a top moment. All right, and you know what? Just because they look rad, they share armor, and they are boys, even though Boba is not committed to the creed. But I do have to say, in um, oops. Looks like I skipped a slide here, or I missed one. Huh. Well, anyways, before I get to the one I was just about to talk about, I did include Din getting the N1, because that happened in, in Book of Boba, and that, I know a lot of people don't like that episode, but in terms of a Star Wars scene and moment, Din kind of chop-shopping and working on the N1 with Peli and then taking it out for his first spin, that is fucking awesome, all right? That is Star Wars... And you remember he takes up and he's flying through uh, most Isley a little bit or most Espa. I can't forget which one. Then he heads out to uh, where the pod races take place through Beggar's Canyon. He, he really, he, he literally goes through the same track that Anakin did in The Phantom Menace. Just fucking awesome stuff. Not sure why I forgot to include the slide. Oh, well, I told you about it. So that takes me to the last moment from Book of Boba. And that's just Mando and Boba teaming up. 
you know, I, I know the finale. There's other things like Boba riding the Rancor that that probably could have made it. Uh, Grogu showing back up, but seeing Din and Boba outside of Garza Fwip's burned out place, just being Mandos, still pretty cool. I mean, it, it, it's rad watching. Two of these badasses work together, you know, doing spin moves and shooting, flying and shooting in tandem. It just looked cool, if anything, right? We, we, we have Mr. Chrome and then Mr. Boba repaint. Just seeing those two standing there in those slit helmets, it, that, that screams Star Wars, right? Total Star Wars stuff. That's right, Nova, the uh, SWTS Haka dance. I'll, I'll start practicing that. That way, I'll have a reason to use the continuity camera that I talked about during this week's technology segment that I went into. So, good idea. Um, all right. So, looks like we have made it to Ahsoka. So, we're winding down our top scenes from the Mandoverse era, which consisted of Mandalorian Season 1, Season 2, Season 3, Book of Boba, and now Ahsoka Season 1. So hopefully everyone's been having fun with this listicle countdown. Not that these were really ranked. I will do a ranking probably next week when Nick's get back. Well, at least, hey, these were our top fives. But I do think down the road, maybe at the end of, maybe not next week, but the week after, once we get through the sequel trilogy top scenes, I think Nick and I should do our, our top five, top ten overall scenes to kind of put this series to bed. All right. So moving into Ahsoka, top scene here from this era has to be the introduction, the arrival of Balin, Skull, and Shin Hati. Okay? I mean, really, the, this, the whole moment from, the, from the, the time they show up on the New Republic cruiser till it cuts. Uh, we got a Balin ha hallway scene. We got Balin stabbing New Republic officers. We got Shin literally just mowing people down left and right with eyes that could kill. I mean, if you're on the live stream, you could see it right now. She just got that her eyes are looking at you like, I am going to kill you with my lightsaber the moment I get next to you. Um, not only did it intro us to two of now the most memorable Star Wars villains slash not villains, but it just looked it looked awesome. We got another hallway scene. It showed us how imposing Ray Stevenson looks as a force user, but it also showed us how quick, nimble, and evil Shin could be. Uh, so it was a, it was a great character introduction for Ahsoka for these two gems. Uh, but it also was one of those Star Wars action moments that just stands out because of how rad it looked. And you can't really say Balin was more fun to watch than Shin or vice versa because they, they each had some awesome looking stuff. Uh, go down in the opening to Ahsoka. All right. Another moment from Ahsoka, and this one made our uh, top Star Wars Moments of 23 list, so it has to make our top scenes from this era list. And that is the Balin and Ahsoka duel on Setos. I mean, Nick and I have talked about this scene a million times. It, it's, it's just awesome. It looks, it looks like a Star Wars duel. You can feel the samurai influence that has affected Star Wars since the days of George Lucas creating it and then passing those those ideas and mantras on to Dave Filoni. Uh, Ray was awesome in it. Rosario was awesome in it. The dialogue their characters were saying was poignant. It was eye-opening. It was lore-revealing. 
And, uh, you know, it kind of ended on a cliffhanger. And I told everyone that he was going to knock her off the cliff. Nick didn't believe me. Get, get with the program, all right? When, when I lay down to take it to the bank, take it to the bank, cha-ching! You know what I mean? And don't forget to sub to the Star Wars Time Show on YouTube. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 it's a fantastic Star Wars lightsaber duel. It had great dialogue. It felt very Star Wars correct, both visually and with the dialogue. And Kevin Kiner's score just kind of was the cherry on top. So Balin versus Sokon Cetos, another top scene from the Mandoverse era. Era, era, era. You only know what that is if you listen to the Stern Show and hell, maybe 20 years ago if you listen to the Stern Show. All right, another top moment coming from Ahsoka. And listen, this also made our top moments of 23. Don't forget, check out that episode. If you missed it, it's up on YouTube and podcast platforms. But the other top moment, I, I just I have to go with the world between worlds stuff from Ahsoka. And if you want a particular moment, I'm going to go with Anakin's kind of phasing in and out of uh, Lord Vader and Anakin Skywalker. It's just it's brilliant. It was brilliant visually. You know, the eye changes, the armor flashes. Uh, Hayden was awesome. He looked great, sounded great, acted superbly. Rosario, same thing, killed it on all fronts, was acting very well, uh, was really channeling the, the spirit of Ahsoka. Uh, but it's just everything about the world between worlds and what went down between Ahsoka and her master Skywalker was just chef's kiss Star Wars. Um, it is just, it was amazing. I mean, it, it, it's like, thank you. Thank you. This is, this is the Anakin Skywalker I want to see more and more of. I don't care if he's a force ghost now because he's much more intriguing to watch, to learn about, and to love. And if anything, it'll give Hayden more work. So let's keep it up. Okay, Dave, bring him back. We know, we know Anakin's got to be in Ahsoka season two. Why wouldn't he be? He's, he's now confirmed Force Ghost hanging out with Ahsoka, watching over her and Sabine, so why not? But um, all these moments in WBW stand out. If we're picking just one, it's probably after all the lessons, right before Ahsoka gets it and, and beats him and learns the lesson. That's, when, uh, that's what I'll go with. But great stuff there by everyone involved, especially Hayden motherfucking Christensen. All right. Sorry about the thumbs up. Sometimes uh, Mac just is catching my thumbs doing doing its thing. There's a peace sign. What's this one do again? I think peace sign's just balloons, maybe. Peace. Balloon it up, people. Oh, yeah, there they are. Gotta love it. I, I, I love you, Mac OS, and all your little dynamic AR stuff you're doing for me. There's some hearts going out to our Fandos League, Devin, Sir Dork, Nova, Get some. That's right. League is a huge fan of the Ahsoka soundtrack. As she should be. It's good stuff. Kiner, the man. All right. What else? Any other moments from Ahsoka? I don't know. Let's click away and see. Looks like we've got at least three more to go. Sure we do. And guess what? I snuck this one in here because young <laughs> Nick's not here today. And I didn't want to hear him bitching and moaning about Thrawn. But let's be real. Whether you liked Thrawn's strategies or not in Ahsoka, you can't deny that his arrival, the way they shot it, the Chimera just kind of popping up from that phallic Night Sister structure, the music, 
Thrawn walking out and all of his cronies going, Thrawn, 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 Thrawn. I mean, come on. I mean, just if you're on the stream, look at the visual of, of the Chimera cresting the, uh, the Great Mother's penis structure. Just fantastic stuff, man. Seeing the gold plating, that orchestral, organ-esque type of music. And then, like I said, the reveal is Lars in the makeup. You see Enoch for the first time. But then all his sycophant night troopers just like, Thrawn, 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 Thrawn. Just dug it. Like I said, snuck it in here while young Nick was out. So don't, don't tell on me, please. All right? We good with that? Okay, good. I don't want to upset him while he's sick. So thank you for letting me do that. All right. Look at that. Hey, I think Sir Dork guessed this one, but very similar to R2's arrival in Mandalorian with Luke as to E8. Uh, like I said, when we were talking about that scene, when I, when he, even after all the emotions of knowing Luke was there, and then, you know, Luke shows up and then behind them comes R2. It was like a double emotional gut punch. It was no, I, I think I had an audible gasp like, oh my God, I do it R2 too. It was just, it was an amazing moment. Look, I'm, I'm upsetting my cat, Leia. It's okay. I'm okay. Okay. I'm sorry. You're going to have to just go back to your little seat back there. Okay. Can you go back to your little, there you go. Thank you. Sorry about that. The cats get emotional when they think I'm emotional. You know what I mean? Um, but anyways, back to my point here. Very similar to how R2 made me feel in The Mandalorian. That's how I felt when I saw Goldenrod in Ahsoka. And I'll be honest, C-3PO has never really been a character that I've been like, yeah, C-3PO. But for some reason, when these characters from my childhood show up again in other properties like Ahsoka, I, it, as I said, it, it's very Pavlonian. It's almost like I'm hearing that damn bell. As soon as I saw him on the screen, he didn't have to start talking. I was just like, <gasps> look, 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 it's, it's, it's. Oh, it's C-3PO. I love it. I'm going to mount in a puddle of Star Wars emotional goo. It's, it was just great. And then you hear Daniel's voice in there. And I don't know. I love it. And uh, every time I see C-3PO in a property, I want to buy a C-3PO hot toy. The problem is, once I get to Sideshow to plunk money on it and I look at C-3PO again, I can't do it. He's out there right now. There's a Return of the Jedi diecast C-3PO. I'm sure he's fantastic. And yes, I do have a 1-6 scale R2. I pre-ordered a 1-6 scale chopper. It's like I know. I, I, I almost have to get the C-3PO, but for some reason I can't pull the freaking trigger. Can't do it. But I do love him, even though he is a dickhead to R2-D2, and the reason that R2-D2 actually shuts himself down in the sequel trilogy you know, in the movies, they'll say it's R2 just being sad that, you know, Luke essentially kicked him off the island. And that, that's not true at all. It's R2 just had enough of the emotional abuse from Goldenrod here. He's like, enough's enough. It's like, I've saved your ass literally since you were created. I've saved all these meatbags ass millions of time. And I never get any credit. Just because I'm a lowly astromech, no one decides to give me medals or oil baths or to talk about how great I am. 
And then your yappity ass C-3PO, you protocol droid, you do all the talking for me and you're not even telling them exactly what I'm saying. You make me sound like I'm some crazy ass murder bot when I'm actually very well spoken and very under control when it comes to my emotions. <sighs> yeah, Bat wants to clean one. So Bat, you and I, we need to push each other to get the revenge or the return of the Jedi C-3PO hot toys, okay? I'll push you, you push me. Although I did, I went up there, sorry, tangent time. I was on Sideshow two days ago because, you know what? Today feels like a good day to add a few more pre-orders to my ever-growing list. It's not like I ever feel like paying off my credit cards. And I added the, uh, the, the Ahsoka Night Trooper and then the Ahsoka, well, just Captain Enoch. And I looked and I, I currently have $160 in credit on sideshow so i think if i could get that close to 200 i might finally be able to pull the trigger on c3po we'll see ah. oh sorry about that that's some bonus content for you all today my burp is my co-host hey speaking of not having a co-host my dumb ass is going to go for over two hours i don't know if that's a good thing or not probably not you guys will have to let me know <laughs> once the show's over but crap that's a lot of one dude talking. Okay, let's get back to this list. We'll get to the fan segment and get the hell out of here. I thought I was going to be done by 6.30. Here we are. There's always time for Star Wars time, especially if Matt has free reign to talk about it nonstop with no one else here to pause for. And the last top moment from the Mandoverse era, and it happens to be from Ahsoka, and it's probably going to upset people, especially Nick. But I have to say... It's not even necessarily this particular moment, but getting to see Ezra Bridger, Sabine Wren, and Ahsoka Tano together in their new forms, so Ahsoka the White, Ezra the Moses, and Sabine the Tar Vizsla sequel. I think this is awesome shit. All right? You know, being a huge fan of Rebels, a huge fan of Ezra... You know, clearly getting him in live action was fantastic. Getting Sabine in live action was fantastic. But to me, the really standout moment is when Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka unite as unaligned Force users to go and take on Thrawn at the uh, Night Sister Temple there. Uh, it was just cool. I mean, it, you know, it, it, we're, we're getting to see these Force users, most of them from a singular cartoon, come together in live action and do cool shit with the Force and lightsabers. And I know we, we've seen that in other Star Wars TV shows, but it was, it was just nice to kind of see the, the culmination of this season leading to Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka teaming up for the first time all as Force users all with lightsabers, all with the ability to manipulate the force, some better than others. I don't know. It was just, it was, it was awesome to see whether it was, you know, nonsensical, farcical, good guys always win type of shit. I, I, I like seeing these three together working on a plan and for the most part, kicking the shit out of the bad guys. So that will do it. So those are our top scenes from the Mandoverse era. Like I said, I think next week, maybe during pop culture talk, we'll um, 
we'll recap our our personal five favorite. That way, Nick can kind of play a little bit. We'll put this segment to bed, and then we'll we'll finish the whole topic next week when we go through our top scenes from the sequel trilogy. And yes, somehow Palpatine Returned is not on that list. All right, cool. Hopefully you all enjoyed that little special topic. We will keep doing them as long as we have to because there's still not a lot of official news to dive into because that, that's kind of what our show is. It is it is stern-ass. We don't really do a lot of bits, but we like to comment on current events. I like to act like an idiot, sometimes get angry, and obviously break down real Star Wars or these days get into the special topics you know what i mean so no rain on this feed today friends all right well that is going to take us into this week's fan segment that is right we dedicate a segment to our fans on a weekly basis some people call us insane for doing so and i agree with them because i put a lot of effort into making fans feel good about themselves and it usually does not result in those fans making us feel good about ourselves and our show but that's okay that's not why we do it we really do because i do like celebrating star wars and other fans that are into it Almost as much as myself and young Nick. So the way we uh, do our fan segment here, we give you two avenues to participate. The first one is going to be the fan question of the week. So every week we post a question to StarWarsTime.show on Instagram, both in the stories and in our profile. All you have to do is somehow figure out a way to get Instagram to show it to you. Best way to do that is like as much content of ours as possible, make us a favorite, turn on notifications, and just reply. More than likely, you're going to get your comment read during this exact segment. So let's go ahead and kick things off. Bring up our handy-dandy Slack window. There it is. All right. So this week's question was, if you missed it, name a top moment from the Star Wars TV shows set after... Return of the Jedi. And I will tell you that some people did not follow directions, but that is to be expected on the internet. Really, with most humans these days, I don't think directions are paid attention to. All right. So we actually got some good uh, feedback today. It's not just the usuals, which is nice. Sometimes it's just our, our hardcore fandos, which we love. But we would like to get some new blood in here, some new voices, if you know what I'm talking about. All right. So, up first, our boy Mando underscore Mugshots, who may or may not be in this week's top five, the next fan segment topic. He says, got to be the Luke's hallway scene at the end of Mando S2. That was some of the best TV of all time, let alone Star Wars. I felt 12 years old once again and pulled on every heartstring. Well, Mando Mugshots, if you listen to my uh, explanation of that moment, we agree. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Kill Cutter Photo. It's like a who's who of this week's top five showing up in the fan question of the week. You got to love it. A little cross promo from Mando and Kill Cutter. Kill Cutter saying, say what you want about Book of Boba Fett, but Boba riding a Rancor made 10-year-old me squeal with joy. Luke showing up on Mando to fight the droids was amazing too. All right, there you go. It's okay. Hey, listen, Kill Cutter. You don't... 
at least at the Star Wars Time Show, you never have to justify your fandom. The only thing I'm going to make you justify is your overly positive opinion on Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> and that's just because I got mental problems with that movie. All right, moving on. Hey, Sir Dot Dork is up in here too. Might still be in the live stream chat. We love Jared. Jared has to say, my first thought is always Mando S2 E1. Everything about that episode is just so cool and cinematic. Probably my favorite episode of Star Wars ever. That's interesting. I, unless he had a, a typo, S2 E1 is when I believe it opens with Mando. They're kind of at that fighting den. He's looking for information on Mandalorians, and he ends up hanging uh, that character by his legs. The character's voiced by John Leguizamo. So, interesting pick here. It, is, it, is, it was a good premiere episode from what I remember, and it ends with the uh, Crate Dragon battle, I believe. So, I got you, Jared. I got you. I feel that. I can feel that. All right, Burkhead Toys, they were a top fiver last week. The live-action appearance of Cad Bane played by the Clone Wars, Wars voice actor. I really enjoyed all the animated voices being used in live-action, but I screamed when his silhouette appeared in the desert. I did. I, I really contemplated on including Cad Bane as a top scene. I probably should have when you think about it. So when I get off of this episode, I'm going to go upstairs into the basement, and I'm going to go ahead and punch myself in the balls. All right? Thank you. Uh, we got a few more to get through here. Lego Shock 0451 Official. Sounds like these are a lot of Discord members. Speaking of Discord, if you want to come join the SWTS Discord, we do, as of right now, <coughs> excuse me, have an open link. I might start paywalling that bad boy if I turn on YouTube subscriptions just so there's like some value to paying us 50 cents every month. Uh, but anyways, we got that. There's an open link on our Instagram at StarWarsTime.show. Check out the bio link. But Lego Shock official saying, Din Djarin walking into the bar during the cold open of episode one of season one. It's super cool. Yes, I agree, Lego Shock. I too listed that as a top scene. Our boy Bat, a.k.a. 2797 underscore studios on Instagram. For me, Luke's return to Mando was the top moment. Boba in the Sarlacc pit was a long-awaited scene. Anakin and Ahsoka together again also tugs on the old heartstrings. There you go, Bat. Bat always can't just pick one. It's okay. I know it's difficult. All right. Scion XTC, another longtime fan. If I'm picking a single moment, I'm going with the reveal of Grogu for the first time. The mixture of feelings of being amazed and shocked that there is a baby of Yoda species and why was he so wanted? Agreed. And if you tuned in to the show, that also made our list. So you will not be kicked off the SWTS Island Scion. Johnny Osage Avenue, also in today's stream. The opening scene of Mando S1E1 as the bar door opens and we get this iconic image with a new variation along with this new sound of Ludwig Göransson's bass recorder. It was like, let's go! All right. Remember, at least when I do the, the, the reading, I will enunciate as written. All right, we got something here from BLK Series Natural Light. 
Andor finale, stormtroopers with actual lethal intent, gritty, amazing speech by Marva, rebellion in the truest sense, also Luthen's speech about sacrifice. All right, well, BLK series Natural Light, you missed the finer points of this week's question. It's okay, we're not going to crucify you. But this needed to be two weeks ago, because we're talking about Star Wars TV post-Return of the Jedi. But it's all right, you still made it, we spoke your name, may the Force be with you. And last but not least, SpaceX underscore toy underscore photos. My favorite involved the Skywalkers, but it's got to be the Luke rescue from season two Mandalorian. Tales from two chest station. Tales from Tales from Tashi station. There we go. I got it. Tales from. Hey, my father Django, showing up for the fan segment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But uh, Tales from Tashi Station also saying Luke coming back in Mando Season 2. Easy. Done. Mando underscore pirate. Another fando. Probably Din showing his face to grow. Oh, there you go. So a lot of you, I expected a lot of Luke showing up, but I'm, we're getting some other ones that I mentioned that I thought might not be brought up by the fans. So killing it. All right, his dot cryptic underscore mayhem. I will say both Mando S1 to S2 and two and a half, then Andor. Maybe even Book of Boba Fett involving the Sand People tribe background and how Boba escaped the Sarlacc. All right, so cryptic again, a little all over the eras here, but a few in there that, that we have mentioned, especially the, uh, the Sand People tribe. So I'm digging it, digging it. You fans, you know, you got some high IQ this week. And then uh, Tyrannus Figs 1120, Boba Fett's first cameo. I think he's talking about the, uh, I'm guessing the one I did on Tython and not the one where he just kind of walks through, or, or, you know, we, I think it's the end of S2E1. Mando and, Din, or Mando and Grogu, they're driving away with their haul of uh, crate meat and his armor. He's spying on them, then he walks towards camera. I'm, I'm thinking Tyrannus is talking about on Tython, where he shows up and starts smashing Stormtrooper faces. All right. So there you go. There is the... Uh, what the hell happened here? Those are our question of the week responses this week. Not entirely sure why this... Why the window's all over the place. Who gives a shit? Now we will transition back to... The top five Star Wars fan artist features. So real quick, since Nick's not here to set this one up. Every week on Instagram, at StarWarsTime.show, yours truly, right here, the guy with the beard, I wake up in the morning and I look at hashtag StarWarsTimeShow. I look at any of our tagged shots. And I will make a little reel of some of the more standout Star Wars art that people have shared with us over the past 24 hours. Then on Monday, young Nick sits down and he looks at our tagged section only. So add tag. This is what you need to do. Add tag at StarWarsTime.show. That's where Nick looks to choose the top five. So throughout the week, you can expect reels of some of my favorite shots shared with us. And then on Monday, Nick typically chooses the top five, which only comes from the ad tagged shots. So please ad tag at StarWarsTime.show and use hashtag StarWarsTimeShow on all of your Star Wars content just so we can see it. That's really it. It's so we can see it. It's so hard to even just use hashtags these days on IG. That's why the ad tag is very crucial. 
So anyways, this is who Nick went with this week. And we will honor them. Up first, like I said, I teased it earlier. I, I spoiled it. But we have Mando underscore mugshots with a shot of Mando and Grogu. It's almost like Mando mugshots is giving us some concept art or a set pick from the Mandalorian and Grogu movie. So in the image, you got Grogu. He's, he's like levitating on something. He's doing some training. It seems he, he ended up stealing his Yoda's green lightsaber from Luke anyways. And Din's putting him through a little, little training. And, and, and Grogu is sitting there levitating the, his little green lightsaber up in the air as his daddy looks on and appreciates it. And, uh, you know, Grogu's sitting there with his hand outstretched using the force on it. Uh, it, it is a it is a cool shot. It's a timely shot, like I said, with all the Mando and Grogu news. So kudos to uh, Mando mugshot mugshots. There are some uh, some fireworks for you there. I didn't mean to do that. I just did a double thumbs up, and I keep forgetting that my computer now will do something with those types of uh, reactions here. What's it? Is it yeah? Double thumbs down. I've not gotten to resonate yet. That's the rainy one. Come on. Yeah, yeah. There's the rain. Boohoo. Double double thumbs down. Boohoo. All right. So don't forget at Mando underscore mugshots on Instagram. Give them a follow. And moving right along. Up next we have Revens underscore toy picks. We got a great shot of Boba Fett in his repaint armor. So yeah, he's got the gaffy stick. This would be the book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett. And what's cool about this shot is it's outdoors and all practical. So we got some particles getting kicked up. It looks like we got some nice golden hour sun coming in. It's kind of a low lit shot, which which really makes it stand out, makes it feel a bit more artistic. But um, what was cool about this one, I, I read the caption here because I'm, I'm nosy like that. But Revan's toy pick used this shot for college credit. So I was like, that's pretty awesome. Using Star Wars toy photography for college coursework. Yeah, you, you deserve to be in the top five. So this is at Revan's underscore toy picks over on Instagram. Make sure to give them a follow. All right, the next top five this week, and it's a returning top fiver from last week. So this account is on fire. They clearly have a, a, a Star Wars muse right now, but we're talking about tiny epic photos. So tiny epic photos, all one word on Instagram. Last week, we just talked about Tiny's uh, Starkiller shot, which was awesome. This week, it, it's, it may be even better. So what we see here, it's kind of a, a close-up of the Battle Damage Vader from the Kenobi series, Black Series figures, that is. You know, it's that that hunched over look from, from the actual show where he's just yelling, Kenobi! You know, just, just yelling at him, Obi-Wan! Because you know, Obi-Wan just walking away like, hey, fuck you, you idiot. You lost, I won. Um, but it's just, it's an awesome shot. You can feel the anger and the pain flowing through Anakin slash Vader in this shot. It shows you just how great of a Black Series figure this is. Uh, the lightsaber work, it kind of has that chaotic energy blade like you, you, you would see in Kylo's, um, you know, cross guard lightsaber. It's just, I mean, really, it, it, it feels very tiny epic photos correct. So it's got their style. Um, but with the Dark Lord of Sith in there, it, it, it's hard not to honor Tiny Epic twice 
in one month. So tiny epic photos. We speak your name. Excellent work. This 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 term on your on your Star Wars toy photography. Okay, number four here, and this is just a banger. Goes to show you just how creative this motherfucker is, and and this mother and I use motherfucker lovingly in this in this case here but i'm talking about at kill cutter photo all one word over on instagram and he's created something he's calling nightmare fuel which is demon maul so envision darth maul without his shirt on and he he has demon like bat wings coming out of his back his his uh, bow lightsaber split in two. He's got them crossed over his head and we're kind of looking up at him and we're looking at up at him from the perspective of xenomorph aliens from the alien franchise. So, so this, this has like mashups from other sci-fi it's, it's, it's kit bashing the Darth Maul figure, but it, it's, it's all done with kill cutters, amazing style. And Kill Cutter's ability to really kind of tune things up in in post and do some really rad stuff in, in Photoshop and whatnot. But this this is a poster, my friends. I don't know if Kill Cutter's still in here, if they're able to join, but this is a work of dark side art. This is Nightmare Fuel. This is Nightmare Fuel I 100% want hanging in the SWTS HQ. Stat. I'm talking stat like today, you know, confetti type of stuff. I mean, let's celebrate this. This this needs celebrated. This is just fantastic stuff, but it should not surprise you if you know of at Kill Cutter Photo. Um, just a, a, amazing work here. If you are listening, Kill Cutter, and you want to send a high-end copy our way, just let me know. I'll help you out. Just fucking around. Great shot at Kill Cutter Photo. All right. And last, but certainly not least, we have a, a twin sun banger, a natural light gem from the master of the sun himself, Chez Picks 66, all one word over on IG. And if you've been here before, you've seen Chez's work in the top five. This dude's got one of the best natural shooting locations in america somewhere there in the northeast i believe it must be mighty cold these days to be shooting up there but it is worth it because we're looking at a great shot of din and grogu in the n1 cruising across the tatooine desert from chez picks and as i said uh, chez picks is almost always 100 percent practical whatever is in lens is what he shoots and whatever light the sun is giving him that's what he he gets. Um, obviously, he's adding the second sun in here, or maybe just cloning the existing sun. But I mean, th this is just—it's the epitome of a Chespick sixty-six shot. It just—that—that's—that's that's what this artist does. Looks fantastic. You can feel the speed of the N one going through. You can see Grogu up there raising his hands, eating macaroons, having a great time. So quality work here from at Chespick's sixty. Six. Boom. And that, my friends, takes us to the end of E293. A solo episode that I did, and it took me two hours and 14 minutes to get through. So hopefully 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure Nick Nation was not a huge fan of this episode. You never know. Maybe maybe there'll be bigger fans of Matt. At least I wasn't stepping on Nick this week, right? He wasn't here to get stepped on. But anyways, it was a fun show. Hopefully you all enjoyed listening to my dumbass do this by myself. Next week, Nick should be back. Like I said, I hope to continue our countdown of top scenes from all live action Star Wars. We have our last air to cover next week, which is going to be the sequel trilogy. I think we've got like 14 moments at this point in time. So make sure to tune in next week. But in between now and next week, don't forget about StarWarsTime.net. You can always hit up StarWarsTime.net throughout the week in between shows to see if we've posted any new Star Wars news, rumors, hot takes, shorts, comic book breakdowns. You never know what could show up on StarWarsTime.net. Even if there's no new content to check out, you still need to know about StarWarsTime.net because it's the best place to go to on the internet to tell fans about the Star Wars Time Show. Like, hey, you like Star Wars? You like weirdos? You like guys that might not be mentally stable talking about Star Wars and one of them freaks out at least once a month? Check out the Star Wars Time Show. Oh, really? Where can I find more information about that? Well, just head on over to StarWarsTime.net. See how easy it is? You all can do it too. So don't forget, any noobs you see out there, any fans be like, hey, I've been thinking about listening to these guys. I've heard some bad things, though. No, 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 no bad things. Go form your own opinion. Check out the show. Start with StarWarsTime.net. Hit the subscribe to podcast links. Get yourself on a podcast. And by the way, when you're there, go ahead and rate, review, like, comment. And if podcast's not your thing, don't worry. Stay on StarWarsTime.net. Scroll down a little bit. On that right side, you're going to see subscribe to YouTube. You can click on that, and it'll take you right to our YouTube channel and add you as a subscriber. All we ask, once you get to YouTube, just make sure to turn those notifications on. When you see our content coming through, try to check it out. Give it a like. Give it a content. Give it a share. All right, my friends, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting tired. Talking this long is not normal for a person to do by themselves. So I must bid you all farewell. Uh, Just keep your eyes peeled out on our socials, both TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. I'll be cutting up some more clips from really the past few weeks of shows. So you can find clips of Nick and I. You might find clips of Connor and I talking. You never know. Just keep your eyes peeled for the Star Wars Time Show clips. And if you do happen to see one in your feed, it'd be great if you'd share it, maybe leave a comment share it and say, hey, these guys are stupid. You need to see how dumb they are. Like, hey, these guys are awesome. You need to see how awesome they are. I would personally love that type of shit. You know, I love getting the, you know, the, the, the supers during the lives and seeing the money come across. But to me, what's most important is the following, the feedback. Do you like us? Do you hate us? I don't care. I just need to know. <laughs> you're, you're listening or watching and hating and loving. That's it. The money will come. The money is secondary. All right, everyone. As you all know, there's always time for Star Wars time. And if you listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you always.